The Rompim, fashion of the future. Is your meat manly? Huh? And is masculinity toxic? Coming up today on The Point. Hello and welcome to The Point, the only talk show bringing gay and straight men together to see what happens. And Doug is still illin. He's still... What? He's not feeling well. He's illin? Ill town. He's in ill town. He's sick. He's ill mad. He's sick. No. <laughs> no. Anyway, Don't Doug's not here, but it and Matt's still not here because he's uh, doing here. his show. No, we're here. Wow. And Tegan is so back I'm, with us. I'm like I'm like family now. Yes. I know. And we have a special guest co-host today. I want to call him a cultural anthropologist, but he tells me <laughs> I can't quite say that because he's a PhD candidate. Not yet. In Soon, cultural. hopefully. So he's a cultural anthropologist of the future. Kevin Nixon. Welcome, Hi, Kevin. everybody. Kevin. And uh, we wanted to have you on because it's actually a topic that we've been talking about really delving into for a while, and it's, it's the is issue of masculinity mm -hmm. and how it affects people and, and, and their lives. Uh, your your um, areas of expertise are on sexuality, masculinity, but also drag culture, yeah. which I find fascinating because it's kind of seen as sort of the opposite of mm -hmm. masculinity. Mm -hmm. But you kind of went undercover as a drag queen, did you not? I did a little bit, yeah. I, well, I'm an anthropologist, so we do participant observation. So I actually became a drag queen for a little while. I well, didn't do a very good job. What uh, It was Roxy Cox, originally. <laughs> and then I moved to Toronto, and Safonda Cox is a huge drag queen down here. So I was like, oh, obviously I can't use that name. Uh, so I changed it to Fox. But I didn't perform much as a drag queen in Toronto, uh, more in other areas of southern Ontario. but. I did do it a little bit, and it was mainly just to sort of walk in their heels, I guess. For so, lack of a so term. what did you what did you learn from your research? Oh my gosh, uh, most of my research looked at uh, performative politics. So the kinds of questions I was looking at are: Is drag transgressive of social norms? Like, what kind of meanings are transmitted through drag performance? So when people are watching it, what do they take away from it? And so I looked at things like racial politics. Look a little bit at social class, gender, sexuality. And I was really interested in the Canadian context. So I also compare that to things like multiculturalism, Canadian citizenship. And so I kind of come at masculinity studies from a very odd angle, as you mentioned. Um, it's not my area of focus. Um, most of my research has been on femininity, actually, and how that's sort of manifested in drag performance, expressed and identified with. But you can't really study the feminine without looking at masculinity. And one of the interesting things for me when, as an anthropologist when I was doing interviews with drag queens was just how often this issue of masculinity or moving away from masculinity and some of the stigma associated that with that, even for queer, bisexual, and gay men, how that came up. You know, and I can't count the number of times in interviews with queens, I get to a line of questioning, often having a lot to do with like relationships, friendships, dating, where I'd have a lot of informants who were in tears basically saying, you know, gay men don't want to date us because we're too feminine. But, I mean, but drag queens are, I mean, they're only in drag for the performance. Mm -hmm. So when mm -hmm. they're out of drag, some, they're... Some, yeah, for sure. And a lot of people, it's just a performative thing where they're in it for the performance and when they're off stage, they're presenting in a male, masculine um, manner, identifying as male outside of the performance context. There are a lot of trans women, though, who also perform in drag shows. Mm. 
Um, so it's not just all cisgender, gay, bisexual, and queer men. Um, there's a lot of diversity in the community. And so some people, their drag persona is carried into their daily lives. You know, some people identify as a queen offstage. Some people will dress in drag. Well, Tito and... identifies as a queen all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's not necessarily limited to that context. And so it is something that can sometimes carry uh, stigma for some of the queens. And so some people had a lot of difficulty meeting people because there's sort of this valorization of masculinity within the queer community. Um, and even more broadly speaking, I mean, we kind of have, a, at least within European and American cultures, uh, especially in Canada, the US, we have sort of this hierarchy in place where masculinity is sort of placed on top and anything that's considered feminine is sort of considered hierarchically inferior. Well, it, uh, and of course, uh, you use the word on top. I mean, being yeah. top is still oh, seen as sure. the masculine. It's often gendered and, yeah. as, as masculine. Yeah. You know, and so my research has really looked at that gender play uh, and drag and how that relates to uh, the wider politics within a Canadian context. Wow, fascinating. Mm -hmm. Well, that brings us to our first talking point. It's a man's, man's, man's world. And in fact, it's interesting that you um, put it in a, in a somewhat political context mm -hmm. um, because I was struck by uh, this article. Uh, granted, it's a, a right-wing web website called Economic Collapse. Um, but, but the headline was, during the Trump era, will men finally start acting like men again? And it makes the argument that the reason why Trump won is because Americans, I mean, granted, three million more voted for Hillary, um, and of course, sexism played a role in that, in that race. But the people, a lot of people who supported Trump did it because he embodies this idea of masculinity I would argue in a sort of retro way, mm -hmm. um, but you know he's he's wow. he's that typical guy, yeah. you know, <laughs> as opposed to Obama, who was seen as more feminine. Um, uh, in comparison, I guess. In, I, I mean, Obama, right? He got in trouble because he ate arugula. You know, he got in trouble for what? Well, what the right wing about? went after him because he he liked greens. Yes, that's so stupid. Um, I'm curious what your perspective is mm -hmm. uh, as as that race unfolded. Do you how you think sexism and the way masculinity and femininity is portrayed? How that came out in the in the presidential race? For sure, for sure. I think that's a great question. Like, I think. Definitely, um, ideas around masculinity and masculinity being seen as superior played into that presidential race for sure. I mean, Trump is playing on, like you said, this kind of retro masculinity, this kind of very traditional, what we academics sometimes call like a more hegemonic form of masculinity, a really dominant form that's kind of yeah, hegemonic. very sexy word. Yes, <laughs> say it again. Well, yeah, hegemonic. <laughs> but it is, it's this dominant form that seems to, it's often very racialized as white, it's able-bodied, it's gender normative. It's very what we consider kind of a traditional masculinity. Even the way she treat, uh, he treats his wife, Melania, is very, For sure. it seems dismissive, as opposed to Barack Obama and the way he treats Michelle, which is very loving and caring. Well, she's been dismissing him lately and I love it. Who? Oh, Melania. Yeah, get your hand off me, yeah. So good. But yeah, I think it, it definitely plays into um, this, this kind of dominant masculinity in American society. 
And I think Trump is playing right into those mm -hmm. cards through this kind of rejection of anything associated with femaleness, femininity, and the regulation of that. I mean, you've got people like Trump and American politicians kind of trying to get their hands in, you know, women's reproductive rights and abortion issues. And it's again this kind of return to a very heteronormative um, and potentially very oppressive form of masculinity. Now, uh, when you say an oppressive form of masculinity, mm -hmm. what do you mean by that? Well, one of the things that I think confuses people, uh, even my students when I'm teaching gender studies classes, is that there's masculinity and there's femininity and that's it. First of all, I think we have to do away with this binary concept. There's lots of different forms of gendered embodiment and expression. And we also have this idea that there is one type of masculinity. Mm -hmm. um, there may be a type of masculinity that we see in the West that's very dominant. Um, but I think there are lots of different types of masculinities, subcultural forms, uh, racialized forms of masculinity, those associated with social class. So it's more like we should be talking about masculinities and not masculinity in the singular. But I think we do have a dominant form that is very patriarchal, very heteronormative, and can be quite oppressive. And as I said before, it's often marked as white, able-bodied, upper class, um, you know, maybe around certain things like body fascism, you know, having a certain type of body type. I mean, we certainly see that within queer communities, for sure, even here in Toronto. Uh, you mentioned that it's, it's, there's a racial component to that. Mm -hmm. Now, I, 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 this is a white version of masculinity, mm -hmm. but often you see in, in hip-hop culture, uh, uh, an African-American version of masculinity. Mm -hmm. So does that play out differently? I think there's a very complex relationship between those forms. I mean, there are different variants of masculinity within different ethno-racial communities. And sometimes um, when we look at something like intersectionality, another big academic buzzword, which is that we don't live our sex, gender, sexuality, racial Yeah, what is intersectionality? Based. It's basically this idea that we don't live sex, gender, race, social class, all the social locations that we occupy, we don't live them independently. They all kind of are part of this aggregate that we live simultaneously. So you can't really abstract race, gender, sexuality from the puzzle. They're all part of this whole. And so, yeah, there are ethno-racialized forms of masculinity. There's forms of masculinity associated with certain subcultural communities. Um, but we also, you know, those forms interact with, you know, kind of dominant forms of masculinity create stereotypes about different racial communities as well. So this is how we think, you know, um, male, masculine, people of color should act within this community. So there are stereotypes that that community is susceptible to. Um, and then there are also, you know, forms of masculinity that emerge from those communities. And so we're really dealing with a really complex picture. Um, and that's why I prefer to think about it in terms of masculinities. Mm -hmm. Not all manifestations of masculinity are oppressive, necessarily. Mm -hmm. There are ways of engaging with masculinity, I think, and I think we can look to a lot of different communities um, that aren't necessarily as damaging. Or well, it's interesting. There was this, an article uh, on the website healthline.com uh, that talked about uh, research from Indiana University, um, uh, basically talking about how conforming closely to tra traditional notions of masculinity, we're more likely to have poor mental health outcomes. Mm -hmm. So the more you were the Trumpian, mm -hmm. you know, manly man, um, the worse off you were in terms of mental health. Mm -hmm. um, and y you actually, this article 
kind of struck a chord with you. No, I guess I, I, I don't recall that you said that earlier. Oh, okay. So I'm like I'm just so I I'm so a firm believer up. just like with mem I can't speak right now. Um, masculinity and femininity. Like I just believe that it's all all energy. As a story, you know what I mean? Like I learned that in my acting class and stuff like that. It's like the, the yin and the yang, the positive and negative. Because in any relationship, whether it be gay or, or bisexual or whatever, um, trans, um, hetero, like sometimes the, the woman can take on the more masculine role, if that's what you want to put it, if I'm just putting a word to it. And, and the guy can be more feminine, you know what I mean? So it's like interchangeable, but I'm a firm believer in just like the energy aspect of it. Mm -hmm. Well, I think I think looking at it in a, a more flexible way is really important. I mean, when we talk about masculinity and femininity, I think what we're really talking about in a lot of ways are, are social constructs, things we've created as mm -hmm. humans. Yeah. Um, and so there is a lot of flexibility. These aren't necessarily like we're talking about genders in the plural, in a sense, or gendered forms of expression, embodiment, and so they're subject to change. Um, you know, we can we can change these ideas. We can affect you know, these forms of expression as communities and challenge idea, you know, idea, gendered ideals that are oppressive, challenge these hierarchies that are in place. So I don't think it's nice and fixed definitions that we have. And I, I mean, this is something else that comes up in some of my classes as well is I'll ask my students, okay, well, how do you define masculinity? What is masculinity for you? What is femininity for you? And there'll always be something that kind of they all agree upon. So there's this amorphous structure to it. And yet, there's always something that comes up that is not the same between each student. Something unique. And that's because we don't have a fixed definition. You know, masculinity is going to be different for me than it is for you, for you, for you, for you. It, it's not a fixed well, definition. It's interesting because yeah. in, this, in this study, they examined 11 what they called masculine norms. Yeah. Um, one of them was being a playboy, seeing women as sex objects, um, conforming to power over women. Um, a third masculine norm closely linked poor mental health to self-reliance. So basically, mm -hmm. if you are unwilling to ask for help, it negatively impacts your right. mental health. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, because men aren't supposed to ask right. for help. Yeah. Men don't go to the doctor yeah. as much as women do. So is masculinity, as it's defined mm -hmm. in the traditional sense, mm -hmm. is it? do you believe that it is bad for your mental health? Yes, I think so, potentially. This is what a lot of scholars, activists, advocates are calling um, toxic masculinity. Right. Um, and it's forms of, you know, traits that are associated with that dominant form of masculinity I was talking about. This idea that men should be unfeeling, that men have to be assertive and aggressive, man the hunter, you know, this ideology. And this contributes to uh, sexism and misogyny homophobia, transphobia, it means all interrelated in some ways. And it's part of part and parcel with this fear of the feminine, right. of femaleness, yeah. and seeing that as inferior. And that gets associated with anything that isn't considered, you know, the opposite of what's considered masculine. Right. I'm actually curious, Gordon, how this does play out in, in the black community, because there is a stereotype that we see of the, the masculine black man. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's pretty intense. Like, I felt it, like, to be like, oh, man, like, I, I, I felt like a white guy could do something, and they'd be like, oh, he's so white, right? He's so white, he's so white. And, like, I would do something, like, nah, that's a wild gay dude. Like, like <laughs> and that's, like, like, even, like, when I play sports, right? Uh -huh. Like, 
you spoke about like all the stuff like that would happen in the in the changer, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 it's, yeah, it's not. Yeah, there was a recent episode <laughs> no, where you not. talked about like like goofing around with your bros, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, and like you kiss on the cheek or whatever. Oh, but kiss on the cheek. But when but, he's drunk, it's different. No, drunk, drunk. Yeah. no. But you actually, I I didn't rec realize this uh, while we were shooting that episode. But you had an expression like, yeah, what? Was like what? What? What are you that's talking not, about? That's not going. We're not doing that. No. <laughs> no do you no, find no. do you find yourself like changing yourself around others to like be like them? Uh, what do you mean by that? Like you act a different way around different people. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> like now, I mean. Like, if you're in a context like this versus, like, if you were in a group with other black men, would would you... Um, would your... How you present it, again, as it, masculine change? Again, it depends on, like, the the people, right? Like, yeah. you know, it's just... It's it's just... They're all different people, right? Mm -hmm. like, like, again, like, it could be like, oh, like, some, like some artsy people, you know, I'm not going to be like, oh, like... You know, I'm not trying to try to like puff, puff up my chest, but like, yeah. I do notice that like around like other guys, like I'm gonna be like, yo, like, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna act a different way. Yeah. Yeah. I am gonna act a different way. It's just In interesting. It's just the way it is. Yeah, it's fascinating. This is a fascinating topic, and we will talk more. But right now, it's time for Tito's midpoint. Okay, so this week we're playing moot point. It's gonna be true or false. So you guys just say if you think it's true or false, and it's all about. Masculinity. Ooh. Masculinity. So here we go. I won't look. Um, and the first one, high heels were originally created for men. True or false? True. True. Why? Horses. Posture. Horses. Horses. Yeah, they were like to ride horses. In the really? 1600s, oh. men wore heels to grip their stirrups while riding. Mm. Oh, In fact, course. women only began wearing high heels to look masculine. BBC Kids. Really? Really. That's interesting. It soon became a sign of wealth and status. Wow. wow. Did they ride bareback? <laughs> men spend more time in the shower than women. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, yeah. True. Yes. I love my shower time. I spend like half an hour just singing and. And now you've and told me shit. about you've told me about your shower time. Whoa. I spend at least half an hour in the shower. What are you least. doing there? Yeah, what's happening there? Are you like Kramer, like making salads and shit? No, I like. <laughs> well, at least washing the lettuce. Yeah. I just like hot water being poured on me, so I sit in the shower in the morning every morning, and I'm just like wake up. Tegan, get me some hot Sometimes water. Sometimes I fall asleep okay. in the Sitting shower. Sitting down in the shower? Yeah. Nice. yeah, you fall asleep in the shower. I don't know. Yeah. Well, it's morning. Why don't you just have a bath? Anyway, so it's false. P.S. I forgot Men. the question. <laughs> yeah, I know. Go. Next. Men don't spend more time in the shower than women. Yeah. Oh. How did they do a study like that? That's what I'm curious about. Is the well, academic. it's like an average. You, I guess you'd have to ask people yeah. and yeah. see whether they lie. Apparently, <laughs> men spend an average of 12 minutes in the shower and women spend 14. It's so boring in there. Is Sh it? Shampoo. There's nothing to do. I get my best thinking done in the shower. I don't want to think. Yeah. Right? I know. Depends on who's in there with you. Okay, next. Women are more, more likely to say I love you before men. True. False. Women are more likely? False. Uh, I will say true. I believe false. It's false. Yeah. Oh. Men say it about Men, six weeks earlier than the average woman. Men are sucks. I fall in love real fast, so I'm, I can attest to that. <laughs> Or they just say it because they think that's they what they want to hear. They think that's yeah. going to get them some. <laughs> Is that still a thing? Evil. I love it. Crying used to be a sign of masculinity. True. I'll say true. True. I don't think so. I can't see that It either. is now. 
It's you think true. so? I don't know. Well, ask any woman, yeah. Like that's They're not going to say it's masculine. It's... <gasps> anyway, <laughs> it's true. Nice. Yeah, it only changed in the 17th century Europe. Society became influenced by... Oh, I can't spell this. I can't read this word, so it doesn't matter. What's the word? Uh, spell it out. Stoicism? Stoicism. 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 What is that? <laughs> just... Anyway. Being stoic is being very serious. It meant, it meant aristocratic... No crying. Aristocratic men were expected to manage their emotions. Yes, we're being very stoic right now, Ori and I. Mm. Indeed. No. <laughs> Next. Pink was a man's color. True. Yes. True. Yes, true. Yeah. Still is. Anyways. On you. That goes for babies, right? Well, that's it was the like thing. The it's pink like, was like for, little, for the boys. And yeah, the pink was for. The was girls, for the yeah, it was only associated with girls in the 1940s. Really? Oh, wow. It was, BBC Kids, man. Yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very learned. <laughs> about yeah, topics. pink was considered um, decided a decided and strong color. Horrible yeah. histories. Men's hearts beat faster than women's. True. False. False. True. True. False. True. You're smart today. Yeah. Oh. Women's hearts on average beat faster than men's. This is mostly due to their size difference. Oh, oh yeah. Work that would make right? that, That's the, yeah, that is the way it works. Uh, men spend more of their earned <laughs> income on their family. What's that? False. Men spend more of their earned income on their family. False. I'd say true, probably because there's a wage gap and Ooh. that money is Oh, I'm needed. thinking percentage-wise. Okay. I'm not thinking false. Actual. I'm going to say true. True. <laughs> Stop changing it. Sorry. It's false. <laughs> Yeah, on average around the world, girls and women spend 90% of their earned income on their family, and men spend 30 to 40%. What wow. assholes. Men spend it at the ponies. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the ponies. This one I thought was cute. The art of <laughs> brewing beer was pioneered by women. True. True. Yeah, true. Yeah. It's true, and I have no facts about so, it. So, me. <laughs> someone told me, uh, so I work at a brewery, and somebody right. told me that women make the best brewmasters. For, for whatever well, reason, because of the aromas are well, like they're more. Yeah, when yeah. when Zoltan Zabo was here, the sommelier, yeah, yeah, he yeah, said yeah. that women make the best um, sommeliers mm -hmm. because right. of their olfactory senses. Olfactory, their smell. Their oh. olfactory senses. Amazing. Men account for sixty-five percent of lead roles in Hollywood movies. True. Oh, it's probably more. It's probably higher. It's false. More than that. That's a trick question. It's a yeah. trick question. It's probably higher. <laughs> it's 74.4% of Are that. you serious? Yeah, That's girl. crazy. That's ridiculous. That's... Yeah, girl. It's yeah. not cute. Last one. Being gay used to mean you were more masculine. True. I could see that. Like ancient Greek time. I, I'm saying, yeah, true. It's true. I do. Is it from like ancient time. Greece? Ancient Rome. Oh, ancient Rome. Sexuality was defined not by the preference for one sex or another. It was more about social status. Yeah. There you go. It was right. defined by how you had sex, not who you had yeah, sex with. It was, like, it was like, one it should is be. like the man, right? They distinguished between being active or passive, and active meant that you were the penetrator. Yeah, the top. And the passive meant you were penetrated. Yeah. But that still, that still exists today. Yeah, that's not that, uncommon cross-culturally. Yeah. Yeah. To see it defined less. Yeah, as long as you were the active one, that's yeah. what mattered. Wow. Interesting. Thank you, you Tito. You, you, you learned us things today, Tito. I also learned a new word Stoicism. Stoicism. <laughs> Thank you, Tito, for today's stoic midpoint. Indubitably. <laughs> Indubitably. <laughs>
And that actually, before we get to talking point number two, or you had something. Yeah, just to go back to the previous point with like Gordon and asking, asking him if he. No, no okay, not, that, okay. not that one. Um, <laughs> about changing how he was with different groups okay. of people. Um, I came from a small town of about 5,000 people, and it's very like closed-minded there and whatever. And I like slowly baby-stepped my way up to moving to Toronto when I was in construction. And um, I, I didn't really... It's kind of like closed off, I would say. Um, I didn't really get to, I didn't really see a lot of things. Like I didn't know any gay people or anything like that. So um, I was always like, I was that that typical construction worker honking at girls and right. stuff like that. Hooting and hollering at them, like dog calling, like just, just a, a complete dick. Um, and I apologize for that. Um, but yeah, since I've like been more cultured, I guess I could say it, I like completely changed my outlook right. on, on how things how things go. So it's nice. And I yeah, think that everybody crazy. should just be open to that. But it's crazy how certain people will be more open. like. Why does that happen? Yeah. Some people just can't get out of their heads. No, I know. I was just stuck in their ways, right? That's all they know. So it's, it's shitty, but. Well, here's a way that you can celebrate <laughs> that your openness. Talking point number two, romper room. So, Romp. a Kickstarter campaign has launched for a male romper known as the Romp Him. Not Romper, Romp Him. And uh, if you contribute to the Kickstarter campaign, um, uh, I think you get your promised one or they'll send you one I, or a prototype or something. Anyway, um, Aced Design is the company, the Romp Him. Um, uh, hopefully we can get a, a picture up on the screen of, of guys wearing the Romp Him, but it's being criticized for not being masculine and in fact, in quote unquote, infantilizing men. So the question is, would you wear a romp him? I was on the I was on the fence. You know, <laughs> like when, when we were talking about um, like masculine, ma being masculine, like the black communities and stuff like that, like honestly, like I saw it, right? And I was like, I don't know if we're doing that, right? But then I saw <laughs> I saw young Dro wearing it and I was like, all right, that's kind of hard still. Like, you know, he's got yeah, the wild cars like, behind him, you know what I'm saying? And I was like, all right, that's hard. Right. Pull it off. <laughs> yeah. I but would you wear one, Tito? Me, no. No. no? Really? I don't think they're that no. flattering. Like, No, uh, it's just like baggy, like, yeah. you don't want yeah, baggy, like, between I, your hips. It's like, mm. I think it looks incredibly comfortable. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but I mean, I it's like, so totally it's either like pajamas it. or it looks like a onesie without the bottom, like, legs. Please. Well, so if you if it had the bottom and then you wore it to I like, I feel like you need like a hat and a lolly. Depending you know? on the party or the bar, <laughs> like I mean, a hat cute. that spins. It's cute yeah. on them. <laughs> oh, a, a yeah, yeah. Like it's cute on them. Like as a group, they look cute. But I is this never wear it. Is, is, is this detracting from our masculinity? No. To wear a romp? No, no. Style is style, whatever. No. Again, it's it's this idea that. Anything that gets culturally associated with femininity yeah. detracts, you know, is detracting from masculinity and is, is taking something away from mm -hmm. that precious construct <laughs> um, that's given so much value. And I mean, I think people should be able to wear what they want and how they want to wear yeah. it. Yeah. So. It's interesting. Uh, there was an article in the Washington Post. We were talking about, you know, how things are gendered, right? Mm -hmm. Top and bottom, mm -hmm. even if you're both guys, it's... It's gendered, who's the man and who's the woman. Well, it turns out, and I never really thought about it like this, that food is also gendered. Like arugula? Like arugula. So there was this, was steak. this Washington Post uh, article about um, gendered food choices. Um, women actually eat 
healthier than men based on their food choices. And the food choices that men make are not just bad food choices, but they've been associated with men, uh, uh, according to uh, this research from the university uh, uh, in Amsterdam. Energy, de energy dense, spicy, and strongly flavored foods are perceived as masculine foods, while soft and sweet foods are perceived as feminine. Women are choosing foods with more fiber and antioxidants. Men tend to overdo it on saturated fat and empty calories. Um, is that something that you had noticed in, in anything yes, that you looked actually. at? Yes, actually. There's actually a rich history in anthropology, like across human cultures, of the gendering of food. You know, and even who, how we eat and how we eat together. And, you know, there are, there are some cultural communities where eating is a very intimate act. You know, people of the opposite sex, for instance, might not share food together. Um, well, Mike Pence there. won't have a meal with another woman unless his wife is present. See, there's an example. <laughs> what a gentleman. <laughs> Classy guy. But yeah, this, this idea of, of meat eating spicy foods as being kind of masculine, I mean, we think back, that has a long history. Like I said, going back to like man the hunter type of mentality. Um, and that meat, you know, there's lots of books that have been written about, um, you know, for instance, Carol Adams wrote a book called The Sexual Politics of Meat. That this idea that being a vegetarian, being a vegan is feminizing. Yeah. Um, and that, you know, you need to be this kind of hunter consuming lots of meat in order to be considered a true man. Right. Um, and I think there potentially are some health consequences to that and something to rethinking how we gender food. I am actually always, in, if I'm at a, a restaurant and I see like, you know, bros at the next table and I see them eating a salad, it actually, <laughs> no, I, I think, I go. Yeah, I never see that. I, but when you do I've never see seen it. That. Yeah. I've never seen it, that? Even imagining it, I'm like, huh? <laughs> I'm imagining a masculine man eating a salad. But it's the same with drinks too. Like guys with beers are more masculine than somebody who drinks a cocktail that happens to be fruity, even though everyone eats fruit. Mm, I like a good French martini. Or it's oh, pink. Who cares well, it's interesting. Pink. There was also uh, this guy. Uh, this article is from the Mirror in the UK. Um, man with a body to die for eats uh, four, a one 4,000 calorie meal every night at 2 a.m. Me. And he's so full that he can't have sex. But. <laughs> Not me. What a great. There's point. all these pictures of him and he's got a good body and he has all these followers on Let social me media. He's from Paramus, New Jersey. Uh, Blake Horton is his name. I, I mean. so late. That is so unhealthy, isn't I, it? Um, what does he eat? Uh, well, he's there's Cheetos. a picture of him with Cheetos and stuff, and hopefully we can Taco. get some he's of eating the... eating a giant pizza covered in marshmallow fruity pebbles. Who does that? That doesn't even sound good. How is he so fit? Does he work out? Does... I mean, he works yeah, out, but it's to... this idea of, of promoting eating <gasps> manly foods to look manly. But yet, if you really think about... I mean, who knows how much it's of this like, is... It's, it's just going by his social media stuff. But I, it, it's sort of, to me, it was an extreme version of what happens when you gender food. Mm -hmm. well, although I don't know about the Fruity Pebbles. I don't know how masculine that is. But I, but <laughs> I agree with you. And I think we even have to question, I mean, what does it mean to Ridiculous. look manly? Yeah. Like, why yeah. do we have to have certain body types in order to be considered manly and masculine? And I mean, there's lots of research about how we even gender body fat. You know, like we consider uh, men who are larger, have larger bodies to be considered more effeminate, soft, 
cushy. You know, there's again a teddy kind of, bear. Yeah, there's kind yeah, of a yeah, gendering yeah. that well, goes along with this as well. Didn't I mean uh, the, the, we need to wrap up? But didn't the uh, the bear community? Uh, in the gay community kind of reclaim that and, and masculinize I think, I think, I think it? The, the bear community? Yeah. Because they're yeah. hairier and it's more masculine. Right, but bigger guys. I think there are attempts to change the gendering of that. I think the bear community might be <laughs> no. a good example of that. Bears sure. are Interesting. Okay, so there's a question man. about what a bear is. I didn't know that. I thought you meant okay. like, like Okay, animals. define what a bear is. It is a hairy, bigger gay man. Okay. And then there are otters that are what? skinnier, <laughs> furry gay men. Are you men. serious? And okay, otter. this is a topic for a this whole other hilarious. show. There like, are many yeah. other This animals. is not on the I was so like, how did you categories. find out like, what, about the bear An community? Like, how do you know that? Oh, it's a thing. It's just out there. Okay, we'll talk about bears next time. But anyway, endpoints. Tito. Bob of the week this week is. Do you have four again? Margaret. She's from Poland. And it's called. <laughs> what you do. I just need to make sure I didn't get it wrong. What is so, so good. And the video is like a first person shooter video game. It's really cool. Nice. Oh, cool. Uh, of course, um, I'm going to remind you our live season finale, which is cupping up. Cum cupping up. Coming up in a couple of weeks as part of Nui Rose, which is a festival of queer art and performance, Saturday, June 17th, at se starting at 7 p.m. We will be at the 519 Community Center, 519 Church Street in the Church Wel Wellesley Village in Toronto. More details to come. Also, I was just in, well, I was just in New York. I was just in New York um, uh, to take part in, to be a guest on the late live show at night. Uh, with Dylan Fisher on Facebook. If you missed it on June 5th, you can still go to their Facebook page and check it out. But also, I was on an episode of a podcast called Unorthodox, which is sort of an unorthodox way of looking at the Jewish community. Um, so go on iTunes and look for the Unorthodox podcast and look for the episode with me. It should be up uh, on uh, Thursday, June 8th, depending on when you're watching this show. So check out the live Late Show at Night with Dylan Fisher on Facebook. Check out Unorthodox on iTunes. Of course, we're on iTunes. Get out. We are. Uh, the audio podcast is on iTunes. Check us out there. Of course, we are also on Reverie, the world's largest LGBTQ online streaming service. Check us out there at Reverie and all their content at Reverie.tv. Our crowdfunding site is on Patreon, patreon.com slash thepointguys. Subscribe to us on YouTube. Very important. Costs you nothing. Helps us no, greatly with, with YouTube. <laughs> yeah, we're not, the button is different now. Uh, Tito knows. Still What's with the this. button? There's no more annotations on YouTube. Okay, I have no idea what that means. I don't even know what that so, means. So, why? Hashtag how old is you Fred? You can click yeah. <laughs> You can do the card. Yeah, I don't know. But there is a button somewhere below our screen. Press yeah. that button. Of course, our website for all things The Point, thepointguys.net. Don't forget to follow us on social media, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff as well. What? Nothing. Are you making fun of me? No, never. he was. I wasn't. Oh, great. I would never. We have a new show every Tuesday. Thank you, Kevin Nixon. Thank you. Thank you Thanks for having me. And we will see you next, everybody. <laughs> see you next Tuesday, Tuesday on Bye. The Point. It didn't give us time for that. <laughs>